and welcome. My name is Temp. I'm Dainty. And I'm Herfy Durfee. And this is GoMo, the Link to the Past Randomizer podcast. And today on the show, I am pleased to welcome uh, Sinak. Sinak, thank you for being on the show with us today. Thank you for having me on the show. So Sinak is here as our guest to speak uh, on our feature, which is all about community tech, and we're very much looking forward to uh, getting into that. But we realized as we were going through the news that Sinak uh, has a lot of knowledge about some of the things we're going to be talking about in the news, and we thought, let's just have him on for the whole thing, and he agreed. So uh, yeah, Sinak, we're looking forward to talking rando with you. When's the last time you played a randomizer C, just right out of the gate? Uh last week for the league <laughs> it's been a while nice. <laughs> actually nice. i'll get into that later <laughs> okay oh your, your league experience yeah, we, yeah. We're, we're definitely going to talk about the league um so yeah you can let us know uh, how it's been going um cool cool yeah so uh let's see what else is going on well we've got the overworld glitches mentor tournament going on yes and it's mm-hmm. like getting hot and heavy uh, i mean i know we're going to talk about that a little more in the community updates but those are some ongoings in the community right now. Yes, yes. And we are very excited and proud of our Overworld Glitches uh, community, uh, putting putting all of that on. And I'm looking forward to talking about that a little bit more later on. Um, yeah, okay. Instead of uh, talking about the news we're going to talk about, let's talk about the news. So the first thing, uh, the headliner that we're going to discuss today is the new festive that dropped on December 1st. And I'm pleased to announce that it has a name, uh, which today I, I assume you'll you'll touch on. Um, but this is the Advent Calendar Festive Randomizer put together by the German community, a bunch of folks in the German ALTTPR community. Sinak, tell us about the Advent Calendar Festive Rando. Certainly. Uh, I, I will say right now I didn't have a whole lot of involvement in creating. I mostly dealt with the website part of it, but... Basically, think of it as a 25-day-long plando with doors is kind of like the best way to explain it. Every day, we release a password that's put on LTTPR.com, and what we'll do is, what you'll do is you'll go, you'll play the game, you'll pop in that password as your file name, and then you'll play that day. Each day takes maybe about 10 to 30 minutes to play blind. Uh, they're not very long, uh, depending on your skill level. Uh, and then, yeah, and that's it. Uh, then you go to the pedestal for something cool, and then that's it for the day. Um, as of the recording of this episode, we're on day five. Um, mm-hmm. So we have 20 more days to go. Um, I'm sure that Temp will have a link to it in the, dis- in the description here. And it basically, you just go to the website every day. You'll see a new password. You pop it in, play it. All the old passwords are still out there as well, so you can go back and uh, enjoy the previous days as well. Like, you're not stuck to playing only today. Um, that, that's pretty much it. It's basically just a bunch of, of mini door randomizer challenges, and it's it's pretty cool. Um, I recommend that everybody check it out. Yeah, who here has played it? So, I played the first three days, but... I'm kind of taken back. I mean, I knew there was a thing to collect. Uh, there's a thing to collect pendants, you know, or like, I, I guess like figurative pendants is a way of putting mm-hmm. it. But I had no idea you were supposed to go to the pedestal inside that day. So now I've got to go redo those days. I didn't pull a pedestal. Oh. I just kind of played the thing and was like, all right, on to the next one. Because I did the first three like in one sitting. 
Dante, wow. Dante, we put it in the description. I'm bad at reading. <laughs> Obviously. <clears throat> to, to, I, I, I too uh, had some issues with it. Go ahead, Herf. I, uh, I was just going to uh, say to ask you something more specific, Senek. Uh, sure. which is what we were talking about yesterday. I'm not sure how much you can speak to this, but I think you probably can. So uh, we were talking yesterday about how the randomization part of that worked. And I said, at least I assume that's how it worked, or at least that's how I see how it worked. It's uh, obviously a door rando. So the item randomizer portion of the randomizer is still fully intact, only with the door rando logic, because it needs to know which doors are connected to what and stuff like that. But the level layouts themselves, since they were quote unquote, pre-made they're already baked into the rom basically it's almost kind of like someone was sitting there with a theoretical zelda level editor in a way is that correct or was there also randomization applied to how the rooms are put together now i can't speak too uh too much in detail because i don't know everything about how mm -hmm. it was exactly put together but my understanding is is that they they took the door randomizer uh -huh. And they, they essentially just hacked together the door randomizer code. Like they took Aranon's door randomizer and they they basically kind of uh, made everything static. So like they basically put out the way they wanted to within the door randomizer, how everything is okay. is stitched okay. together. Um, I can't really speak to the details of that. I again mm -hmm. I just dealt with the website, but that that was my understanding of how they did that. Okay, so it's kinda how I figured it would work. All mm -hmm. right. And then what about the item placement? Is that static? Um, or, or, I mean, was that, like, made – yeah, I guess that is that is what I mean. Is it random for everyone or is it the same every time? It's it's the same every time. Everybody gets the same ROM. So when you go to ALTTPR.com and you click that save button, it's simply patching a game from a, a .bps file that we have on the server. It's It's not applying any type of randomization on top of that. Very interesting, but it makes perfect sense to give to a community of rando players because to all of us playing it for the first time, it feels it, it might as well be random, you know? Yeah. That's cool. That's on, very cool. And on top of that, because of the way this festive is set up, we can actually have speed run leaderboards. Of, uh, do, are those around somewhere? Yeah, they're actually so. Because the spreadsheet is publicly writable, I didn't want to put it like in a, an announcement directly because mm -hmm. people will do things, right? But yeah. um, if you go to the randomizer Discord and then you go to the festive channel and check the pins, there there is something in there if you want to check that out. Okay, um, yeah. I did find this uh, spreadsheet. I think I was in um, Aries chat and somebody posted it there. And it's – yeah, I – I didn't know that this was it. I thought maybe this was something that just like some friends were sharing. Um, but I see as of uh, right now, like six people have registered times for day one. And there's different tabs for the for the multiple days. Very interesting. And and right now the fastest time is three minutes and 42 seconds for the first day. Again, just to give you an idea of the, the length of these dungeons. So um, I played the first two days, uh, the first day that it came out, because I guess they probably update like midnight in Germany. So if, you know, you stay up to eight or nine, then you can you can play the next days. So I did two of them. And I also had trouble following instructions. I don't know if <laughs> I, <laughs> if, if I just wasn't paying close enough attention or if I, if maybe a little bit more explanation about what to do was needed. So with most festives, I usually recommend people go in as blind as possible because the, the surprise is half the fun of it, you know? 
with this one, I really think it makes sense to get a to have someone tell you what to do, which is basically this. You have one dungeon in each day, so you don't need to leave that dungeon. Found that one out the hard way by going all the way around the world and looking into all these dungeons and having them be essentially a blank room with a nice <laughs> little message in it uh, until I finally figured it out. Uh, again, you know, I assume I did not read the instructions closely enough, which is a common theme in yeah. my life. Uh, but also, once you're in there, there is an objective. Uh, like Dante said, you have to get these three pendants. You have to kill a boss for one of them. You have to full clear the dungeon and get all the items inside for the second one. And you have to read a hint tile, late, you know, put somewhere in the dungeon to get the third one. So if you don't know that and you just walk right by a hint tile, you're not going to complete the, the you know, assignment for that day or, or what have you. Uh, so make sure that you know that going in or else it's not, it's going to be a very confusing time like it was for me. But now that I've figured that out, um, I haven't had a chance to play the next days, but I am very much looking forward to it. I love the concept. Um, I guess we're like putting together a little puzzle. It looks like every time you turn in your medallions in the pedestal, you get a little puzzle piece. So it looks like we're going to make a big image, which, uh, I think is, is fun and a good incentive to play, you know, all, all 25 days if you can. So. And more importantly, getting instead of just getting that, you know, pendant from reading the hint tile, you get the riveting storyline that is ongoing throughout each day. Right. right. Yeah, there's a full-fledged story. Um it's very well written and it's it's interesting and it, it's like Link preparing for this, you know, f- uh festive holiday apparently and it like, you know, it, it brings in a lot of other characters from like Zelda lore and things like that. So, it's interesting. You can tell a lot of uh, everyone into it and uh I'm really enjoying reading it. Yeah, it's super fun so far. I uh I mean, there's ways to kind of break it already, you know, with the the speedrun <laughs> portion. Um I won't get into that in case because I know people probably haven't played it, but we can always you know, talk about it more when it gets later on uh, in the month when people have had more of an opportunity to play it. I really, I will say that regardless of it being uh, a festive that, um, you know, that, that comes out like that's randomized, you know, like we've had for the past holiday festives and the past, you know, uh, I guess Halloween festives. I like the fact that it came out early instead of like on the, yes. like on the holiday or the day that it's like, you know, showing how festive it is. Like personally, this is my personal take. You know, if we had a normal festive, we'll say like we had in 2018 and 19 for, you know, the holiday, it's to me, it feels better having it come out like at the beginning of the month because more people, I feel like more people have time to play and or enjoy it, you know, and uh, this sounds like I'm, I'm expecting a whole lot out of festives, but, you know, because I know they're they're held together with bubble gum and duct tape sometimes with the way they hack it together, and I'm super thankful for it. But, like, instead of it just being, hey, it came out on this holiday, and it's here for a week, and now it's gone. So, you know, as far as, like, generating new seeds. So, like, because yeah. I think in 2018, the, the holiday festive was around, like, almost the entire month of December, and I got to play at least, like, four or five of them, and it was super fun. Um, and then I remember it being a little less time in 2019, but... I could be mistaken on that. No, I, I think you're right. And I could not agree more. I was actually thinking that same thing. I, You know, the spooky randomizer normally comes out really close to Halloween. And then it's like available for two weeks in November. And it's like, well, I kind of wanted to have the spooky experience before <laughs> Halloween. You know, I totally agree with that. Uh, but also, yeah, like you said, it's hard to 
be like whiny about that when you know they're putting in so much work but yeah if they just like shift the production schedule a couple weeks earlier I, I think that would be awesome and it's really cool to have this one so early it's awesome the uh the big question though is if we did have them earlier uh would our man herfy durfy be one of the correspondents in the field to give us the details on you know the things he has found inside of the festive what do you honestly think the answer to that is? <laughs> you know, I came in with a, a bright, wide-eyed optimism, but uh, now uh, you just crushed my dream. So <laughs> you did the I, right I mean, thing, Dante. I was just asking a question. <laughs> <laughs> that Dante, that bright-eyed optimism is the reason we have you on this show. Don't ever lose that. Oh, I mean, it's <laughs> it's been gone. It was more of a wide-eyed sarcasm, I think. <laughs> oh, that's the opposite of that. Oh man. <laughs> That's okay. Um, okay, well, like you guys said, the festive will still be going on when we have our next episode. So let's table this conversation until next time, and we can uh, talk about it a little bit more. Let's move on for now to the ALTTPR League. So we are in the midst of week seven right now, which means the regular season is coming to a close. Um, Dante, how has it been going for you and your team? Oh, man, we're in the worst division. There's a, as of right this moment, at 9.52 Eastern Time, Saturday morning, there is a four-way tie for first place in our division. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Which is uh, interesting. So um, a lot of things can go into next week with that division, uh, which is Kakariko. Um, basically, Era 216, Pug Trio, uh, the numbers, mitts of numbers, and Komodo Hypers, <laughs> all of those teams have a legitimate shot of making the playoffs and... Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be interesting. What's what's really good about uh this, you know, so Pug Trio and Komodo will be facing off against each other, so they could in turn eliminate each other or kind of stay tied. I guess if they go one and one, and then there'll be some tiebreaker scenarios. Uh, but yeah, it's been tough. We'll we'll just say um, how how have things been going for you, Temp? I've got some relegation stuff we can talk about here in a second for the uh the invitational league but we'll, we'll we'll get to you first on how things are going for you sure yeah well i had a race last night against uh hacksaw who was a mentor in the first year that we had our mentor tournament so we had spoken a few times before very friendly race and um man i came so close uh i lost by a minute and 10 seconds um pretty much primarily due to dying on land mode 2 in Ganon's Tower. Oh, if no. I hadn't done that, I, I think I would have won it. Yeah. So that was a real heartbreaker, but Hacksaw definitely earned it. Um, I made an absolutely audacious call to go to Turtle Rock, uh, hoping that the final small key was in there, and it was in the last chest on Laser Bridge. Uh, <laughs> I skipped half of Meyer and like three or four open, you know, overworld areas, hoping that there'd be a key in there, and I was really, really sweating it on that Laser Bridge. But I found that key and I was like, yes, but then I squandered my lead by dying uh, on the Ganon climb. But say lovey, it's been going great, though. Like, I, I didn't feel bad about that. I felt pretty invigorated that, like, it was as close as it was because, honestly, I didn't expect that. I Especially, like, I never play keys. So I felt I felt good about just, you know, doing as well as well as I did. But um, overall, still having a great time with the league. And uh, I'll be, uh, by the time you hear this, um, it will be, you know, the co-op Enemizer week, and I'll be 
teaming up with uh, Tyler Salt, one of my uh, long shot teammates, and we'll be trying to finish strong and see if we can get a, a final win or two out of the out of our season. Um, Sinak is also in the league. Sinak, uh, and and you mentioned the last time you played was for league. How has uh, how have things been going for you and your uh, league experience on the bomb squad? Yeah, oh, I've been having a very good time being carried by Fred and Rick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, yeah, those, those two are great. Um, I think we're, I think I'm in the same league. I think I'm in the same division as Dante. In fact, I think I played, yeah. did I play? Yeah, we, yeah. we played, we played mystery in that beatable only fiasco. Yeah, that was, I mean, that's a tough break. I mean, Dante just was talking about how tough this division is. I mean, that's yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. I don't, I think right now we're in a situation where we're at least we, we won't get relegated. Mm, um, I think we're out of that territory, but uh, yeah, we're not going to be, I don't think we're in playoff contention at all. I don't think, I guess it depends on what happens next week. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I should mention the long shots are, we are also last in our division. So no shame in that brother. I'm right there with you. There's no relegation. You're, you're, you're doing a lot better than I am. I should say, cause, <laughs> cause you guys were definitely not last in your division. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's all about the, you know, having fun, good experience. Yeah. And, uh, Definitely. That's definitely happening. Um, I wanted to take a moment to shout out uh, in the open league where I am. We also have a a very decent amount of mentee representation on these teams that are performing really well. Specifically, I wanted to call out Please Clap, a team made entirely of mentees. And um, they have been having a a really successful season. uh, we're, We're tied for first in their division. Now they're just uh, one game back uh, as of the day of this recording, but doing really well. Um, I know there are others, uh, but just to generally kind of say, you know, once you start saying one name, it's like you feel pressure to say all the names. And then if you forget a name, you feel bad. So I'm just going to blanket say right here, everyone who's in the tournament that was a mentee uh, that's, you know, representing the the class of 20 uh, out there. I appreciate you and, and, Best of luck as you finish out your open seasons and and as we get into brackets here. Um, any other final thoughts on the league? Yeah, so there's a couple storylines to follow here as far as like the invitational relegation situation. Because um, mm-hmm. as you know, there is something to be played for in the open, and that is the spots that are going to be uh, given back, you know, from people finishing in last in their division. So each one right now, there's a there's a little bit of a storyline and there's not. So here's the fast ones. In the Kakariko division, OP Got Good has clinched last place. Uh, in the Misery Meyer division, But We're Buddies uh, has clinched last place, so they will be relegated if they rejoin the league next season. Um, so Lost Woods is kind of interesting because Major Mistakes holds a current tiebreaker over Team Hime, and basically they're going to play against each other in the final week. So that's kind of going oh. to decide it. Uh, the only way the tiebreaker could change would be unless the team Never Do Chickens manages to leapfrog the spoilers in the standings. So all of the, all this information I've got here, I do have to shout out, is from Drossy, one of the admins. He's been do- doing a fantastic job of getting you know all the tiebreaker scenarios like documented so we know exactly what's going to happen and how we have to do everything. Now, Skull Woods is the super interesting one, so... Put on your seatbelt. I'm going to go through this super fast. I don't want to throw you out of the car. No, this is great. (laughs) All right. So Skull Woods. Uh, If Sphere Affinity 
takes even one game off of Yutang Clan, then Yutang Clan will clinch relegation because the Immortals have the head-to-head tiebreaker against Yutang. So that's like the big if to begin with. So then there's some other parts. If Yutang sweeps Sphere Affinity, then it really just depends on what Immortals do. If the Immortals get swept by Sealed W, they'll have the worst record and get relegated. If the Immortals sweep Sealed W, Yutang will have the head-to-head tiebreaker over Sphere Affinity, and Sphere Affinity will get relegated. And then if there's a three-way tie, it'll depend on the relative positions of Team Kappa, Waffle House, and Tile Roomies, because Yutang took a game off of Kappa, Immortals took a game off of Waffle House, and Sphere Affinity took a game off Tile Roomies. So whichever of those three teams don't make the playoffs, the corresponding team that beat them would be relegated due to being 0-6 against playoff teams, while the other two would be 1-5. So that's our current tiebreaker scenario for relegation in Skullwoods. It's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, It's a whole lot to digest all at one time, right? (laughs) (laughs) It is, but it's, yeah, I hadn't even considered that we do have that on the line, these final four teams moving down to open from Invitational. Um, and that is just as interesting to see as like, you know, a game that has bracket implications. I think it's, that's really, it's really cool stuff. Yeah. So these guys, I mean, just because you're out of playoffs, I mean, all of them definitely, you know, have something to play for here. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all pans out here in this final week. Absolutely. Uh, final shout out just for posterity. Want to mention, we have two teams so far in the invitational that have, uh, clinched the playoffs, uh, Shaq tools, digging game and the Fendrana drifters, Fendrana drifters undefeated the only team that can say that. So that's, that's pretty impressive. They're like the Patriots right now or the old Patriots that they used to be <laughs> not so much anymore. That's an American um, football team for those who, yes. who don't watch sports. <laughs> I mean, with the name like the Patriots, how could they be anything else, you know? That, that, was, that was a scenario of group of people in Metal Gear Solid. So, like, you know, we all play video games. I, that might be what people were thinking. You never know, Tim. You can't make assumptions. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. It could have been a, a Guns of the Patriots situation. <laughs> <laughs> that, that so often happens in life. Um, cool. Okay, let's move on. Uh, the next thing we have to talk about here, there was a hot fix released for uh, ALTTPR, this is now V31.0.7. So there were, uh, you know, for a hotfix, actually some decent sized updates, I would say, in terms of uh, impact. Uh, And I'm wondering, uh, Sinak, is this something where you can kind of take the lead and tell us a little bit about it, or should I just kind of go down and read them? Um, Yeah, I can talk about just a little bit here. Uh, So there were a lot of ROM bug fixes that occurred this round. we had a lot of pull requests from the community. So pull request, a, um, it's a Git term. It's for when you contribute to a repository, you basically submit a request to have that code pulled in. That's that's what I mean by that. Um, mm-hmm. We had a we had several community members provide patches for various things to the ROM. And that was super cool to see. So we're really grateful for that. Uh, we were able to get some, some really weird bugs fixed. Um, uh, for example, in the Lost Woods, there was like the so Catabat discovered a bug where if you die in the in the chess game in Skull Woods or in uh, Lost Woods, excuse me, uh, you just get warped to, to to the pyramid when you respawn, and that was because of an oversight of the EG map. I won't go too deep into it, but we got that fixed. There was there's actually a change now. So if you loot the Skull uh, the the Swamp Palace small key, 
that's in the left side swamp, um, that water will now remain flooded if you leave and return because there's no reason to, to drain it. So it's just kind of like small things like that. Uh, yeah. The big thing here, and this is kind of, this is like one of my primary contributions is that we made mystery more mysterious, for <laughs> lack of a better term. Uh, so we, so with Zarby's help, uh, we modified uh, the Enemizer to only produce a two megabyte ROM uh, instead of four. So there, you can't tell the difference there. And you also can't tell the difference by looking on the file select screen because that EN dot, that EN6 thing, the version, yeah. no longer mm -hmm. is present on the menu. So until you start the game, you're not going to know that it's Enemizer. We also fixed an Enemizer some behavior with Aghanim 2. There was a... So this is like a... a Oh, secret to everybody, right? But uh, there's actually a feature in the Animizer. Maybe you guys don't know this. Um, that actually lets you play like tennis with Aghanim, like a back and forth. Oh. Uh, well, we never use it on the website. Um, but that also can mess with Aga2's behavior um, when that patch is being applied, even if we're not actually using it. So we went ahead and we just removed that patch uh, because we weren't using it. Um, okay. Is that, that something that could, like, maybe a festive one day could, like, bust that out or something? Yeah. I mean, the code's out there. It could be used. Yeah. Like, it's it's open source. Like, anybody can grab that. Uh, there's a lot of things that we could do. Also, with Mystery, we also did a little bit of masking on the intro text to try to make it harder to figure out if it's inverted or if it's entrance. Um, there is sorry, one edge. You. Yeah, sorry. Hey, whatever. Uh, <laughs> you were just talking about that. Well, I was talking recently. about it only because apparently it's been a known thing amongst some of the runners in ladder, and I just found out like right then, and now it's gone, which is fine. Yeah. I'm just glad it. <laughs> and I think you know, Senac was talking with the admins. This didn't get pushed mid middle of Mystery Week in League, and I'm actually super thankful for that because that could have been quite the curveball. Well, yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. I was getting silently. Uh, encouraged to do it during the middle of the week just to mess with people but you know oh my I'm, not God. Like that. I'm not that type of person i have integrity um <laughs> believe it or not uh so there is one edge case with all that though and i think inverted entrance will still have that text because because of like the way like i can't mess directly with entrance randomizer because i didn't update that so mm. i think that still occurs but a vast majority of the time, you're not going to know what you're playing until you actually hit the A button. Uh, yeah. There's also, so SWR also uh, gave us a patch for a new uh, palette shuffle algorithm uh, that some people have probably been using at this point. Yeah. And I'll tell you that it it is beautiful. I I think it's it's the best palette shuffle to date. Um, I really enjoy what way? Pepto Bismol um, everywhere. Yeah, so the so the palette shuffle, it's kind of I'm not much of a words person when it comes to visual things, right? But but to kind of think of it this way is um, each type of element that you would see, like grass, water, they all have their own randomization logic instead. So okay. like you won't run into like scenarios where like you have like green grass on one tile and then immediately just kind of ramps up to like another tile that's a different color. Like you get those proper transitions. The colors are like I'm not much of a, a math person, but uh, we could probably throw a link to the 
to the details of it probably in here, but basically yeah. it this looks better <laughs> is the, <laughs> is the end result. Um, that's all you need to know really. Yeah. It's, it's it, the dungeons aren't nearly as dark and it's also for your OWG players. It's going to be easier to line up your, your boots clips, uh, oh, in OWG, nice. um, just because of the way the, the palette randomization works now. Uh, so SWR did an amazing job on that. I, they had been working on that for a very long time. Uh, Half a Rebel also ported the C Sharp that SWR, SWR wrote to uh, JavaScript, which was necessary for the website to take advantage of that. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, that was another community contribution. Should I also talk about... Uh, oh, there's also the last feature besides the new sprites. There are new sprites too. But um, you yeah. can also, if you have like your own Z, .zspr, previous episode, we were... You guys talked about uh, your custom spriting, right? Now, yes. if you create your own sprite, you can load it into the website and use it, and that's race legal. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Uh, I was, I was, I knew that something like this was in the works, uh, but to hear that, like, oh yeah, you just load in this file and like literally anything can be on it, and it's race legal. That's that's it's impressive that it was able to be developed that way. Are there any concerns about? I'm trying to think of like what would be a, an illegal sprite or like what could be a, a problem that someone could use. But I guess there aren't really any, which is why this decision was made. Right. Yeah. So uh, full disclosure, we did consult with the council uh, yeah. before, imp before actually implementing this feature, uh, which by the way, was provided by Krellbell. Shout outs to Krellbell. Awesome. Yeah. Spriter. I'm, I'm not sure if Mike talked about them last week, but great guy. Uh, yeah, we talked to the council about this. We got their blessing. Um, really, like, the only real concern that went out there was maybe you could create a sprite that lets you do glitch lineups. But you know what? A sprite like that would look ugly, and I'm not sure if a whole lot of people would want to use it. So uh, I guess, like, more power to you if you want to do that, I guess. Yeah. Um, like also, that. like, the other concern maybe was maybe something that was inappropriate, but honestly, Twitch TOS has us covered on that, so uh, don't do anything bad. That's, yeah, don't make don't saying. make any sprites that, like, just big dongers everywhere. Like, we don't need that. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. I guess that's what we were all thinking, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, just, if you're going to do that, don't stream it. Thank you. Fair. <laughs> yeah, for your own personal use. <laughs> to enjoy privately at home. Um. I, I see that, like, so there's, like, a couple really cool uses for this. Uh, one is if you're a personality and you kind of want to brand your content when streaming LTTPR, um, you can have a private .zspr file now that you race with that that nobody else has. So that can be kind of like a way to brand your own your own content that you create. Um, oh, yeah, that's that, cool. And also there's also a, a sprite shuffler, which I'm sure will also get linked. Um, uh, that Krellbell made and yeah. that thing can create some pretty hideous stuff. And Krellbell wants to like pin this on me as like being my idea. Like I just, <laughs> I I just said a sentence in the discord. That's all I did. <laughs> but then I, they ran with it. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't like it's Krellbell's fault for running with it. I, that's all I'm going to yeah. say. <laughs> yeah. Krellbell is a bit of a, a mad scientist. I've found they, they hang out in our, uh, our discord from time to time. And yeah, they have this uh, palette uh, shuffler or sprite shuffler, 
um, that just pick. There's there's one particular I know that just picks a, a random head sprite for every single animation or whatever, and and it looks like chaos. You can also do it for the full body. I'm I'm pretty sure. And then they also in the past have released an MSU shuffler, which takes you know MSU uh, from from different packs and uses them in different. Uh, locations or whatever but yeah uh, a bit of a mad scientist and i'm, I'm here for it i need to so. check out krellbell's msu shuffler because i had a buddy when i first got into using msu packs like make me a, a shuffler like i showed him my files and all and then mm-hmm. you know and just said hey make make it pick random ones so what you, what i learned from that uh, one i never uploaded it because it was just an executable and he didn't have a git for it so i was like i'm not going to just upload an exe and then make people mm-hmm. you know trust me but uh, what you learn then is, you know, because I hadn't made any packs, uh, the the mirror music is technically, uh, some people put that as the MSU file because it's a music file, and you've noticed maybe <laughs> some of those are changed. Well, one day when I was using that randomizer thing, I, uh, I noticed that I was in a cave, and it was just the menu music, or I'm sorry, the mirror music looping over <laughs> and over and over, and I was like, this is the most abysmal thing ever, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's just a quick anecdote for the MSU Shuffler. I'm not sure if Krellbells would do something as hideous, but uh, it was it was quite hilarious when it happened. Yep. That is hilarious. That reminds me for my MSU pack, I need to make sure to make that actually like something that sounds okay <laughs> and not just like an obnoxious sound effect, um, which those are better anyway, let's be honest. Uh, cool. Okay. Any uh, anything else to say about this hot fix? Uh, you guys want to look at those sprites and tell me if there's anything there that tickles your fancy? The crewmate. I, have, I haven't seen the thirty, the sprites yet. I should probably look at them. Yeah, let's take a quick look. Why not? Uh, if you go to updates, they have them all grouped together. Oh, okay. there's a hot dog with a hat on. Uh, SpongeBob SquarePants is here. That goo thing from Dragon Warriors, Dragon Quest, one of those two. Uh, Bob Ross is here. Amazing. Um, the the link, Red Mage. The link redrawn, I've actually used. Like, I snagged the ZSPR file uh, a while back and used it in a multi just to check it out, which is that one in the middle uh, over to the right with the big yeah. pink hair. And it, it was it, it's pretty cute. I like it. it, it I like that it's still in the... Um, you know, the same lineups category as far as like bomb jumps and stuff uh, as the original since it's basically the same size. But that's kind of what I go with when I pick sprites. So, yeah. Uh, Ganon sprite is pretty cool. Or a Moblin maybe just. Um, yeah, there's, yeah, there's cool stuff here. What, what I will say is uh, the crewmate sprite is pretty sus. Oh, yeah. That is an Among <laughs> Us sprite. It's, that's pretty cool. Uh, Herf, your uh, thoughts? I like the Hollow Knight one, I think. Yeah, oh yeah, that is cool. Yeah, that looks like good. To see that one in action. Cool. All right. Um, next up, uh, we just wanted to make a quick mention since it was just uh, announced yesterday or last week. Um, there is a new NMG tournament that's going to be starting in 2021. Uh, does anyone on this podcast right now want to take the lead, just like quickly, kind of explaining what's going on here? We're going to oh. play the game vanilla, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, as far as I'm aware, uh, Buane is the author of this document, and he kind of mm-hmm. thought all this up, and then uh, had a few people read over it and see if he missed anything like glaring or made it stupid sounding, and uh, then decided to immediately release it. Uh, apparently, 
an actual any percent NMG tournament hasn't been done since I think 2018 or something. I haven't yeah. really read the whole document, but it's been a while. There have been various NMG tournaments of other categories, but the any percent run hasn't been done in a while. And uh, they're they're preparing for one. And uh, it's apparently starting tentatively in March of next year. And uh, yeah, all the details are in the document, which I'm sure that uh, Tim will link. It has a whole thing of how the tournament will be structured and how they're envisioning it to go and how the brackets will work and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 64 participants is what they're capping it at. So that's going to be a pretty big tournament. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, they're seeding using your uh, like wherever you fall on the any percent NMG leaderboard, so that should be interesting. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to uh, checking that out. Certainly not participating. I still haven't got my NMG game going <laughs> just yet, but uh, very cool. I think the the biggest thing that I quickly want to mention out of this document is probably the the big. Uh, how do I put this? The the big step into a different direction from what we're usually used to with our tournaments, which is uh, asynchronous races, where people get to race, you know, at different times without you know having necessarily going through all the trouble with scheduling, yeah, and what have you. And uh, if you manage to set it up well, you can also restream those almost as easily. You'll just be casting two bot files instead of two life races, but and it's essentially the same thing, really. Yeah, cool. I, I think it's a really neat addition. Obviously, it's like much tougher, you know, with security vulnerability and stuff. I guess with rando, but for mm-hmm. NMG, I think it's a fantastic thing. Um, just that way, they can keep the tournament moving. And you know, I think it said this in the doc, but you know, obviously, people all over the world, whether it be rando or vanilla, like speedrunning, so. Um, I think this is just going to kind of make it a more enjoyable experience for everybody, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, let's knock out some quick GMP community updates. So the Overworld Glitches Mentor Tournament uh, is officially underway. We are currently, as you're listening to this, in week two. I am pleased to announce when we opened up the form for... Uh, people who decided after Boots Camp, okay, yes, I, I do want to continue on with this. As, as we mentioned, we kind of had a, a Boots Camp that was open to anybody, and then we were going to do a lottery to get 16 people. Well, we ended up not having to do that lottery because we had exactly 16 people sign up. <laughs> uh, well, actually, I should say we had 15 and one maybe. Uh, and very, very pleased to announce that Dante, that maybe, has stepped up and will be the 16th participant in the <laughs> OWGMT. Dante, are you excited? Wait, I'm doing No, I'm kidding. I know I was doing this. <laughs> um, I, I'm excited. Uh, you know, I, I I was hoping that things would work out and I wouldn't have to, uh, mm. I guess is a way of putting it, you know, all things considered, but... um. I'm looking forward to it. I've got to. I'm actually when we get done recording this a little later, I'm gonna be playing uh, my week one match because I've only got like a day or two to do it. So it should be uh, interesting. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. So I have to make a, a official formal retraction from the last episode or two episodes ago when I said that Dante was too good to be in it uh, because <laughs> I mean it just worked out so good. We had 60 people. Also, if I'm if I may, there are some other people in the tournament who are very good like dante's very good uh at you know um no logic uh type 
type running that we are used to seeing. So it's not like uh, Dante's going to run the board, you know, being a very good rando player. He's, he's going to have some competition. So we feel a little bit did, better about that. Did you say that there's some people running it that have no logic experience? Cause, uh, and did you lump me, oh. lump me in with that? Because honestly, <laughs> I got none of that. Only thing I know is like Kiki Yeet and how to clip into pod. And that's because of doing the all dungeons vanilla run. But other than that, like I, I probably could mess that up now if I tried, if I tried it, but <laughs> I, I did say that, but I meant the exact opposite of okay. it. No major glitches is what I meant to say. Not okay. No logic. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, that has been going really well. Um, another shout out, as always, to Malmo and the rest of the admin team. They're doing a phenomenal job. And uh, we're just doing everything we can to support them. Uh, there's, uh, we've already had a few restreamed races on Go Mode Podcast Twitch channel. So uh, be sure to check that out, support them, and learn a little bit about some major glitches. It's, it's the, 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 in those restreams, they try to be educational, kind of like we did with the, the exhibition match that we did, and explain stuff that's going on. So if, if you uh, are you know somewhat curious about learning these things, checking out those races is a good way to learn. Next up, bi-weekly seats. Number 61, the one that we did last time, was AD Keys that we put out so people could practice for the league. I, that's exactly what I did. I, I played it uh, Thursday offline as a practice scene. I'm glad I did because it was a great refresher of like, oh, I don't have enough keys in this dungeon. I need to not do that tomorrow when I race. So it was a nice de-rust. I didn't get a great time, but it was a, it was a good de-rust. Um, so 62, uh, Sinak actually mentioned in chat before we recorded earlier this week that uh, he has a suggestion. Sinak, what did you have in mind for this? So we're going to do a chaos mystery. So it's a non, so there's no entrance shuffle involved. Um, but instead we use the customizer to not its maximum potential, but in weird ways, uh, we basically completely mangle up the item pool. Uh, we give you random starting equipment. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's, uh, it can be almost like you can have root pours in the pool. I don't know. Like it could just be whatever. Uh, it's uh, it's it's very free formish, okay. So to speak, um, like you can end up in like in a scenario where like both like one armor's in the pool, uh, but like none of them are actually available because the overflow limit is set to like zero for armor. I'll get into that later in the next section. Um, but but basically, it's it's kind of like abusing the customizer. Okay. It is kind of what it is. It's it's a show that often. So, I mean, it sounds like you could make a seed that's not beatable. Um, believe it or not, VTorp has done a really good job of making sure that no matter what really dumb things you do with the customizer, you're going to run into something that's usually beatable. Okay. Um, okay. Usually. So I'm not super <laughs> concerned. Like with so you could end up like, and I'll get into this later. You could end up like a scenario where you need like. Uh, like you don't get like a sword for escape and it's anonymizer and you could run into problems, but uh, we avoid that in mystery and I'll get into that later. But um, generally, yeah, like you can make a game that's beatable with the customizer. Okay. So to uh, generate, no matter if people, if people want to generate this, is it just uh, the mystery command and then chaos? Uh, that would be correct. All yep, right. Cool. Yeah, and Dante asked because he's doing it right now, and uh, we will post that. Uh, we'll, we'll post that when the uh, seed comes out, of course. And um, yeah, that that should be a wild ride. Yeah, it's uh, it's mostly designed to be kind of like a tech demo on 
really dumb things you can do, but we're going to go ahead and make everybody play that. Awesome. I love it. Speaking of generating seeds, Sinak, are you ready to begin our feature on community tech? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we're sort of already. Do you do you want the uh, the the world warp music going into the feature, or do you want the flute music or sound effect? Decisions. I'm gonna have decision paralysis here. Um, <laughs> uh, Maybe both at the same time. Yes. All right. <laughs> here it goes. <laughs> All right. So. Uh, now here we are in our, into our feature again. Uh, we're talking about community tech with Synac. Uh, Synac, of course, has been speaking with us already, um, but I do want to give you an opportunity, Synac, to uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. You, you were on the show one time about a year ago to talk about uh, Rando's uh, presence at GDQs throughout the years, and now we're excited to have you on to talk about uh, this community tech topic. But tell us a little bit about you and how you started in you know development, how you got involved in ALTTPR dev. Yeah, so actually, I'm not really a software developer by trade. I'm actually a systems administrator, um, which kind of has some overlap, but not really. Um, but ultimately, so I got into Rando about early 2018. I actually went to a GDQ. They were posting like a whole bunch of really cool things to do. And I thought that was really awesome. And I kind of decided to kind of keep that going forward with things, fun things to do. Um, that's kind of where I got started with ALTTP. Just my overall experience though is mostly systems administration, which is pretty handy for VTORP. VTORP now has an ops guy that can, that can kind of deal with kind of those system admin type of problems well, uh, so that he can focus on the actual website development, which I think has been working pretty well. I can't speak for VTORP, but uh, I think it's worked out pretty well. Uh, I got involved like as like a moderator type of position in 2019, early 2019. I think, I think in March uh, I was – Chris like reached out to me and was like, "Hey, do you want a green name on the Discord?" And I'm like, "All right, yeah, sure." And uh, yeah, he m gave me a green name. Uh, and then this kind of from there, I was really helping VTorp out with like small stuff, which is sometimes you'd be surprised just how much some people disappreciate somebody else dealing with small details. Like when V31 came out, um, I did some of the lifting on all of the website translation. So, you know, the LTTPR.com is in four different languages and we have to get, we have to have the community translate the website for us. So what we do is we have to wrangle down basically three other people to do the French, German, and Spanish versions of the website. We have to give them the files. They have to translate them for, get it back to us. We have to test them, make sure everything works and it looks good. So that's kind of where I got started. Uh, and then from there, I've just been really been trying to provide VTorp a lot of support so that he can do what he does best. That's kind of where, that's kind of how my involvement started. Um, so I've noticed, you know, in the main ALTTPR Discord, a, a lot of the announcements that are made, like in that channel, are sort of being made by you. Uh, yeah. Is 
is that something that uh, is that like an official role or just something that kind of falls to you? Like, how, how did you end up kind of with that position? I wish I knew. Um, <laughs> it just kind of this kind of ended up like that. Um, sometimes I'll I'll have other people post stuff, which is cool. Uh, I should probably diffuse that a little bit more. Like, I shouldn't be monopolizing that. Um, well, you know, on the other hand, I was just kind of thinking it's it's I think it's good to have a person who is like consistent and, uh, you know, the way that your announcements are, are worded always, I think, is, is really good. So, yeah, no, I, I think you do a good job kind of being, you know, one of the faces of ALTTPR's dev team um, and, you know, d- disseminating information. And uh, we've, we've described you on, it, on this show in the past as sort of like ALTTPR's super admin um, like you're just you're you're everywhere that that we need you to be at all times and just like solving problems and, and fixing fixing things. So um, I think that's that's how I sort of identify you in the community. I feel like that's that's probably how, how a lot of people would. Um, do you think that's sort of a fair assessment? How, how, how would you feel about that characterization? Um, I'm OK with it, I think. Uh, <laughs> it's. It, it's been kind of it's just kind of something that's kind of just happened, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, I know that like a lot of I, I've been trying. I basically kind of one of my goals is I want people to be able to play the randomizer sort of the way they want to. I, I kind of want to like try to like break down the walls on that, and more importantly, I know that like right now we're kind of and you've talked about this in previous episodes where we've been kind of really fractured. Like there's a lot of discords all over the place and I've been been trying to do some work to try to I know that that's just going to be a thing and that's cool. Like I'm that's awesome. I just want to like be able to at least to be able to direct people kind of where they need to go in order to f- meet their needs and interests. So that's that's kind of where I've kind of where my stance has been at. That's awesome. Without, without getting like too deep into the weeds. <laughs> well, we uh, we appreciate having you uh, as as part of the community. So, what you're going to be talking to us about today? We kind of went back and forth on what we wanted to title it. I think I think we we all knew kind of the general tone of what we wanted to talk. But can you kind of explain when we say community tech? What are what are we going to be talking about here today? Um, basically everything that kind of surrounds the randomizer. To make everything sort of tick, um, we're, we are going to talk about the website itself as well, but uh, we're going to talk about, you know, your seed rolling bots, specifically Sahasra bot, because like, I don't know, the guy that wrote it is kind of like sitting here right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, but just basically in general, the what technology the community has to be able to to function essentially. Yeah. Um, uh, and that can be everything from your bots to race time, SRL, uh, the website itself and what it does. The, the LTTPR league, right? Like I can't speak about yeah. Slazy Kid, of course, and how the league works, but I'll get into a little bit of kind of uh, what uh, well, actually Lazy Kid uses. Lazy Kid does use a Hosser bot for something. I'll get into that later. I'm mm. be a little teasy here, but. Uh, but basically, Lazy kind Kid of is uh, Big Dunka's bot yeah. that uh, initially made for the latter, right? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, which, by the way, is an amazing concept uh, still to this day. Like, praise Dunka. Um, 
So that's just kind of that's kind of what I mean by community tech is kind of everything yeah. that kind of surrounds the randomizer to make things happen. Yeah, no, I think that I think you did a good job kind of summing that up. Uh, and especially when you said, you know, everything that makes it tick, like, of course, there's, you know, downloading and playing the game. And that's what we talk about the majority of the time. But I like the idea of discussing this stuff that's almost kind of invisible if it works correctly. You don't really think about it because it just makes your life better and more convenient. But I think it deserves kind of, you know, talking a little bit about how they work um, and just sort of appreciating the work that goes into making the process of downloading and playing a seed so seamless like it kind of is today. Mm -hmm. So with that, um, let's talk about uh, the first thing that you've got here, a, a brief history of seed rolling bots. Um, so so tell us tell us about the history there. Uh, believe it or not, Tahasserbot was not the first thing to exist that could roll a seed on ALTTPR.com. Uh, shocker. Uh, so actually, so there is a bot called FC on SRL. It still exists this day by Fred Coughlin or F. Coughlin. That was, I believe, and I'm pretty sure somebody might correct me on this, is that was the first real seed rolling bot that really, I think, existed for a randomizer. Uh, now, when we say bot, can we just make sure yeah. that we're we're clear about like what a bot is? Because you're not talking like a Discord bot right now. No, just a bot in general, right? So it's a so when I say bot, it's a piece of software that you tell it to do something, and then it does something. And mm -hmm. a bots typically will have an actual physical presence in the room, as if they were a person, but they're not a person. Uh, they're just a, it's a piece of software designed to respond to commands, but like what makes like a bot different than let's say a website or another piece of tech is that it's something that you interact with within like the, the chat environment that you're operating in. Gotcha. Okay. That's kind Understood. of what I mean by a bot. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So FC was designed to roll seeds, uh, and it had several presets. Uh, you had casual, which was your open 7-7 defeat Ganon standard assured sword that we know of it today. That's kind of where that term comes from. I'm I'm sure that's been talked about in the past, kind of the origin of casual. But uh, And then it had several other presets that you could choose. You just type like dot .casual, dot .open. Uh, FC would roll a seed for you. it get posted in the SRL channel. Everybody ready up, play the race, right? Yeah. Uh, FC, FC was kind of used for LTTPR seed rolling up until v31 and I'll, I'll talk about that later in a little bit it was pretty much an integral part of the community and it really still is it provides other functionality on srl it'll do team races um it has team race functionality and it also provides seed rolling for some other communities that aren't served by Sahasrabot. Um, now, so, when you say SRL, that for people who are newer to yeah. the rando community, that might not be a, as familiar of a term as it is for those of us who have been around for a couple of years. But this uh, tell, tell us briefly about SRL and how that was played into rando playing. Oh, absolutely. So SRL, that stands for Speed Runs Live. Um, it is a racing platform that's been that's existed for. I want to say since like at least 2012, if not earlier, it was initially developed by who was known at the time as Cosmo, right now known as Narcissa, right. Um, and, but basically kind of the rando community started using it as well. Uh, it's based off of a protocol called IRC 
or internet relay chat, which is why you kind of need a dedicated client to use it. But yeah, basically it's like, it's like a chat technology similar to discord. It's just way older. Like it, it's like from the eighties or nineties. It's, it's a very old, well-established protocol for, for chatting on the internet. And that's what SRL is built off of. So we had FC rolling seeds on SRL kind of to start. Did I get that right? Yeah. Um, and then uh, there was Turney ALTTPR bot by JC. That was used in Discord um, for the ALTTPR tournaments. So JC is a... He is a staff member of Speed Gaming and also has been an admin for the main tournaments. Really great person. Sm- very smart, very, very great guy to work with. Um, and yeah, he he had also done seed rolling. In fact, he actually helped me with building Sahasrabot. Uh, he provided a lot of guidance as I was getting into the concept of, of writing a Discord bot. So like, without either FC or... Uh, the LTTPR tournament bot, uh, Saucer bot probably would not be where it was today. Um, it provide those both of those persons that wrote those bots uh, provide a lot of inspiration for what we're doing today. Are those the immediate predecessors to Saucer bot? Uh, or is that, there anything that, in between that were not written by me? Yes, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure of any other bots that really did seed rolling. Uh, those were the two primary, uh, con- the two primary players. Gotcha. Um, so then after that, right. So back in 2019, Kern and I, we were, uh, we were working on creating the spoiler tournament, which I know a lot of people really enjoyed, but we needed like a way to generate seeds, but we also needed the spoiler log for them, but we wanted to control when the spoiler log went out. So that's kind of where I started with doing seed rolling bots uh, was with spoiler tourney bot for this tournament. I didn't realize that was the genesis of that. Yep. Uh, in fact, some of spoiler tourney bots code is in saucer bot. Not all of it. Most of it got thrown away, um, which always happens as you, so as a developer, as you get, as you learn more about how things are supposed to work versus how you think they're supposed to work. Um, you, you tend to rewrite a lot of stuff, throw things away. Um, that was kind of like the same with Spoiler Attorney Bot. League Bot was also another a bot that I wrote for the ALTTPR League Season 1. It was also a seed rolling bot that I had created for, for Fear Agent uh, so that he could so he could administer the league. That bot was also used uh, in the first Mentor Tournament here too. There's still some posts from that old bot way back. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, yeah. I basically, since it kind of did pretty much the same thing that you needed as well, I just kind of yeah. adapted it. I always wondered um, what happened to League Bot, and I just assumed it evolved into its, you know, next to, we'll, we'll call it next to final form, which, you know, being Sahabot, but. Yeah. It basically, the code from both of those bots made its way into Sahasra Bot in one way or another, at least parts of it. Gotcha. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure how much of that code still exists. I'm I'm always rewriting stuff to make it better. I'm always refactoring. So then Sahasrabot came around. So when I was... So shortly after I was made a mod, uh, there was actually a convention called Versus Expo uh, that was in Chicago. 
uh, me, Willard, uh, Penny Royal Oil, previously known as Mentos Man at the time, uh, a few others actually from the community actually attended that that convention. And we actually had some time to talk, right? And we were like, what's a big pain point that we were having? And the biggest pain point that we had actually was, how do I get my open racer role on the Discord so I can get paid for races? It's like, how do I do that? It's like, mm-hmm. before, like with the previous setup, what you had to do is you had to type a command in a specific channel, which I will say right now is not the most intuitive thing. So I started doing some research and we were like talking about this, like, well, can we do like a role reaction type of setup? And like, we're not the, so we're not the first ones to come up with the concept of, of role reaction bots. There's like a billion of them out there uh, for discord. But the problem is, is that most of them uh, require you to have administrative permissions on the server itself in order to actually do anything with them. In order to set up the roles and all that, uh, and it's usually hard coded in the bot. So like every bot I was looking at, that was the case because I was still a mod at the time. I didn't have those permissions. So I couldn't make, I couldn't actually work with the bot that I set up, which was a problem. So I'm like, well, if you want to do something the way you want it to do, the best way to do it is to do it yourself. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of where, so, so Hauser bot first, like six commits in the Git repository was just, an ability to create reaction roles that you can click on to, to enroll you into roles on the discord server. That's, that's where it came from. Uh, that, that was its original job. Like it had nothing to do with seed rolling. Like that wasn't even a thing that I had intended for it to do. Um, what kind of led to that point was for speed gaming live, uh, last year for the qualifiers. So, for Speed Gaming Live, like one of the things was that we were shutting off hints. And for the qualifiers, we weren't using hints. Um, in fact, VTorp had created uh, special seeds um, in the database that didn't have hints in them. But people wanted to practice. Well, there was a way to do that through the customizer, but it was kind of complex to do. So what I ended up doing was I ended up rigging Sahasrabot up to be able to roll those seeds by using alttpr.com's API. So that's kind of where it started doing seed rolling, was actually for that. Huh. Yeah, this is all uh, fascinating. The, the the thing about, like, the roll requests in, in Discord, that's I kind of remember when that came about, and I remember being really impressed by the simplicity of it and how it's like, Oh, you just click this one little button right here. And now you're signed up for these pings. And that's such an important part. I think of being a member of this community is getting these pings when announcements come out, when races are happening, you know, when, when things are going on, like for any community, you need to be informed. And this is basically the way to do that. And then, you know, to hear that the seed rolling was kind of an offshoot of that and now has become almost kind of the primary function is uh, really fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of where it came from. And it's kind of from there. Uh, I then started uh, when V31 was released. There was a problem where FC had to be updated to work with V31. And Fred at the time was just really busy um, and really couldn't do it. So what I ended up doing was I took like the tech and what I learned from uh, Spoiler Attorney Bot. Because that also interacted with uh, Speedrun Live's SRL the IRC for that. 
and I ended up creating an IRC bot out of Sahasra bot to also do seed rolling for V31. And that's kind of then where it expanded. And then from there, I then came up with the concept of random races where it just basically rolls a random set of settings. V31 had a lot more knobs to turn, so to speak. So that made that more viable to do. Um, so that was kind of then the next step, so to speak. I remember when random came out because that was like a ton of fun. But, you know, sometimes it'd be like, oh, this is way too easy. I'm not playing this one. I'm going to roll another one. So, you know, I'm, I'm assuming this is kind of where the concept of mystery came from. And I'm probably jumping ahead. But I wanted to yeah. at least say that I thought random was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. It's like we ended up in a scenario where like people were like shape like you. Somebody would roll like the random seed. Right. And in, in SRL and then other people would then either dot join or dot leave, depending on what the settings what were. happened there. Yeah. Which is kind of like feels antithetical to the experience. Right. You're supposed to take what you're getting and work with it. Um, right. Which is then well, kind of then we're supposed to. I mean. Uh, is anyone supposed to do anything? You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, very deep, Tim. Very deep. But uh, I assume on on from like the technical side, I assume once you're like over that hump, so to speak, of generating a random seed, it's not like too far out and too much work to just use it generally for generating seeds, more specifically with you know various parameters and stuff. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I wrote an entire Python library to actually support that, um, which is open source. It's out on my GitHub. I kind of created like the framework for uh, for generating seeds, like how you interact with alttpr.com programmatically, and then from there, uh, you can you can do a whole lot once you got that framework in place, uh, which is kind of the where things went. Um, so mystery then, uh, so I was approached by P flan. So they were going to do like a, a mystery random tournament, right? Where they didn't want people to know the settings, but the tech at the time didn't really allow that. I had no way of really masking the, the settings. So what P flan was going to do is generate a whole bunch of them and then like rename the ROMs, make patches out of them and do a whole bunch of manual work. Right. And we're like, there has to be a better way. Uh, so that's kind of where mystery came from. That started off as me forking the public website, the public version of LTTPR.com, and then adding a little bit of code to basically strip out all that metadata that normally tells you what's going on or what the seed is about uh, that you would get even on a race ROM. And that's kind of where mystery started. And that's actually how mystery seeds were generated for a while was through my fork on my website that I was hosting myself. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it really seemed to be only a matter of time before, you know, as a random, as a, a community that plays a game that's all about randomization, that we would have to find a way to make the very generation of the seeds also be random. So <laughs> only a matter of time. Um, so I want to take a, a step back, as we typically do on this show, and get very basic for just a second, just to make sure that we have everybody on board as we talk about uh, Sahasrabat's infrastructure. So talk, talking again about seed rolling, right now, I, th I think most people can relate to going to the website, bringing their ROM of, you know, 
the Japanese version uh, 1.0 of A Link to the Past, giving it to the ROM and then having it spit it back out in a version that is randomized. Uh, and, and what you're saying is there's a bot in the website that is doing that scrambling and, and handing back to you, basically. Uh, is that do I, have, do I have it right so far? Sort of. So what <laughs> okay. happens is, is that when you click that button to randomize the game, there's a uh, it's an API endpoint application programming interface is what that stands for. And behind the scenes, your web page is sending that request to another page on the website and basically saying, all right, here are my settings that I want. And then when you click that button, that the browser, your web browser will hit that and will, will hit that, right? It will then mm-hmm. send back a response with uh, a, so with a little bit of information. One, it'll include your spoiler log if you chose to have one, uh, the metadata for that game, and then more importantly, the patch, which is a basically a giant series of numbers. It's in a format called JSON. Uh, they basically says, here are the specific changes that I need to make in order to randomize this game. Here are the ones and zeros that need to be changed. Um, that's sent back to you. Then when you click that save button in your browser, what happens is, is that first, your web browser will look to see, all right, what is the, first do I have uh, the Japan 1.0 version of the ROM in the browser's local storage? That ROM is never sent to the server. It stays local to your computer. We okay. never receive it uh, for for good reasons, right? Sure. Uh, okay. So the it's kept locally. Uh, your browser will then pull a patch file called a .bps. This patch file is what we call the base ROM. If you ever like hear us like this out in open conversation talk about the base ROM, that's what we're talking about. That base ROM has all of the changes that we make to the ROM that are common to every randomizer game. Like no matter what you're doing, if you're rolling a V3107 seed, it's going to have this set of changes. And that's in a .bps format. That gets applied to the ROM in memory in your browser. Then we then apply the... um, Then apply that patch I was talking about earlier with the specific changes to randomize your game. It writes to the places that it needs in order to fill the contents of your chests. Uh, Once that's done, uh, it'll then apply your personalization that you have, like your heart speed, color, your sprite, uh, your palette shuffle, if applicable, that'll all run as well. And then once everything is done, it then saves that to your, that saves that browser. And it looks like a download in your browser, but in reality, that's all happening within the browser itself. Uh, so that's kind of how that process works from a u- end user perspective. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you for explaining that. I'm sure there's probably people out there that that was all uh, understood and, and known to them. But for, I think, you know, for some people that all of this is very new, we just like to play the video game that's scrambled. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what are the challenges then when you have a bot in Discord that rolls seeds? Uh, is it just basically acting like a person going to the website, or does it is it more kind of connecting with the code of the website? No, it's actually doing it the exact same way you would if you push the button. Um, it that endpoint that I was talking about that it sends that 
that request to when you push the button to randomize is the same thing that I hit with my bot to roll the game. And then what I do is I extract what's called the hash, which is a which is that series of letters and numbers or whatever at the end of your permalink, at the end of your permalinks. And then I just hand that back to you. Like, here's your ROM, here's your game, right? And what I'll also do is my library will do a few other things. It'll pull in, it'll like read specific parts of that patch to see what that file screen code is supposed to be. So it can give that back to you. Uh, yeah, that's basically it though, is it will, it interacts with the website just like a human would, yeah. kind of. But- yeah, and we all hang out in Discord all the time, and the convenience of being able to just type a command into a channel and then have the a seed DM to you with settings already figured out and all that, like so quick and easy, ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what we're talking about. About like you know the what we're talking about today is how easy this whole process is and kind of what has gone into uh, making that happen. Um, where are we in our outline? I know we've skipped around a little bit, so if we need oh, to, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I, I went a little bit more into probably how the website worked than we had in here, but, um, Sahasrbot itself is written in Python. Uh, it's use, it uses a library called discord.py, which is a very easy framework to use. The developers of it are really awesome and, have really made it fairly developer friendly and easy to work with, which is essential when you're wanting to create a feature, right? You don't want to spend less time dealing with like the low level. How does my software interact with discord? Like how does it actually talk to it? And instead being able to tell it what I want it to do and it doing it. And I basically just have this bot hosted on a digital ocean droplet, uh, costs like 20 bucks a month. It's really cheap. And it, yeah, that's basically it. The entire source code's on GitHub. Uh, yeah. Uh. So someone could completely steal your bot is basically what you're telling <laughs> me. I mean, yeah, good luck figuring out how it works. I barely understand how it works. Um, <laughs> so the reason why I put the source code out there is less so other people can run it themselves, even though you can, and that's fine. I'm cool with that. Feel free, please. Like, if you want to do that, go for it. Um I just can't provide any support for that. Um, yeah. And I've had a few requests over time. Hey, uh, I'm trying to run your bot locally. How do I do it? And like, I, yeah, I just can't provide any help with that. Like, it's mostly there for auditing purposes because the t- bot is used in tournaments. So I, I really want people to know that things are on the up and up uh, and that what I say it's doing is pretty much what it's g- going to be doing. Yeah. Transparency, for sure. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I know we talked, to, we touched a little bit on the altpr.com API before. Mm-hmm. That's what we have here next. Is there anything else on that topic that you wanted to mention while we're here? Yeah. So you have that API endpoint, right? But then there's also the customizer. So the customizer is like this, this, this sleeper feature. Like, don't get me wrong. There's a lot to do in there, but. There is so much more that you can do with the customizer than what we actually expose in that user interface. So if you go to alttpr.com and you go to create a customizer game and you look to see there's like a whole bunch of knobs there, um, 
there's actually a lot more behind the scenes that can actually be turned on and off than what's actually present there. Um, Such spe- as? Sp- glad you asked. Uh, <laughs> so you can do things like, so normally it only lets you specify for your starting equipment, like your, your typical Y items, but you can also start link off with dungeon items as well. Like keys, big keys, uh, pretty much anything that you want. Uh, you can add more bombs and arrows to Link's capacity. You can start them off with more bombs and arrows. Uh, the sky, it pretty much if it's an item that can be placed in the game, you can put it in Link's inventory to start off with. When we um, were examining the randomizer a few episodes ago, we noticed that there was uh, you know, kind of a specific function for divvying out your starting equipment. So mm-hmm. I assume that this is being manipulated in, in this part of the code somewhere. Yes. So there's actually a section in the payload that's sent to the customizer that reads your starting equipment. And by default, that's three pieces of heart or three heart containers. But yeah, you can put, you can specify whatever items you want in there as part of that payload and you'll just get pre-equipped with them. Like it'll, it'll just handle it as long as it's a valid item within a valid item name within the code. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also other things that you can do. Uh, There is, I said this a lot. So like a lot of the saw bot presets that rely on the customizer, I'll set something called custom price packs to false that will basically turn off all of the price pack customizing that the customizer does. And it'll revert back to V31's behavior of how it typically will randomize a game. Uh, so you'll get like the, the rules where like the prize packs are, are the same as vanilla, but they're shuffled within each other. Uh, which I think you've gone, we've gone into in the past, but, um, things like small things like that, right? Uh, you can also specify your, um, your item overflow. So when you set the difficulty to expert in V31, uh, the actual item pool does not change. What happens instead is the uh, a limit is set on a particular item. So when you set it to, let's say, hard, the overflow count for your armor is set to zero instead of two, which means that whenever you pick up an armor upgrade, it gets immediately churned into what the overflow item is instead of what the armor that you were supposed to get. And then that overflow item can also be customized. By default, it's a 20 rupee drop, but I can make that whatever I want. I can make that a piece of heart. I could make it a progression item, even though that'd be a terrible thing to do. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't be accounted for in the logic. The logic wouldn't account for that if I yeah. did that. Um, but I could do it. Um, I can make it a heart container. I can make it a rupor. Uh Whatever item I want, uh, at least for your armor, shields, swords, basically anything that the difficulty, the item pool difficulty setting would adjust can also be individually adjusted on a per item basis for that, which is pretty cool. Yeah. If you want to see a preview of the kind of things that uh, can be done with the customizer, our biweekly seed for this episode uh, will be a what? What is it called again, Sinek? A chaos. Chaos mystery is kind of chaos the name I mystery. gave it. Chaos mystery. 
Yeah. So uh, you'll you'll hopefully get some get to see some of those shown off, depending on what gets generated. Wouldn't it be crazy if it generated like a normal open seven seven? Like that was the way that it shuffled. I think no, that's I mean, pretty unlikely. <laughs> you're you're gonna get something, even if it's like just a piece of starting equipment. Oh. Yeah. So speaking of of randomization of game modes, um, tell us a little bit about mystery races and. Uh, YAML files. Would you say YAML or would you spell it out Y A M L? Um, it's YAML, and if anybody says Y A M L, Y A M L, they're just using way too many syllables. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, so it's like rhymes <laughs> with camel. Yeah, yeah. You can use yeah. You can use YAML. Uh, some people will spell will will spell it out, but they're wrong. Um, yeah. So we <laughs> talked about this a little bit back when uh, Dante hosted a multi world. We were encouraging folks to use a website that we had found that would help you to generate this YAML file that uh, weights the mystery uh, settings a little bit. So we've talked about this briefly in the past before, but tell us about how uh, the YAML file is used for mystery from the tech side of things. Yes, absolutely. So the way uh, Sahasrabot, so the format for a Sahasrabot uh, mystery YAML now kind of varies significantly from what the the multi-world implementations that are out there use um, just because of the nature of the two beasts. Um, but basically what it'll do is it will read this file and essentially it'll first, it will take the, so there'll be like, so for each thing you'll see a name of like a, of a setting and then it'll be a number after that. Uh, for each section of this. And what it'll do is it will randomly pick one of those settings that are in there, but it'll weight it based off of the number that's after it. So if, let's say you've got, let's say you have a goal, right? And let's say open is set to 50 and inverted is set to 50. Well, you have a 50-50 chance because one is 50 out of 100, which is what everything adds up to. The other is 50 out of 100. Um, but if you change it, right, so if you made that like a 30-70, uh, then, yeah, it would be 30 out of 100 for open and then 70 out of 100 for inverted. Um, that num- Those numbers don't have to add up to 100, though. That's a common misconception I get that people think. Uh, basically, what it does is it just adds up, like, all of the weight numbers when it's rolling it, and then it's basically that particular setting out of the whole mm. um, addition. So if you just wanted to make everything like equal chance, you can just put ones for each of them and it'll, it's the same effect. Yeah. It's so um, interesting that there are weights to it. It's like saying yeah. to yourself, like, uh, you know, I'm like 70% comfortable doing something like this or, or more specifically, like I'm like 15% comfortable doing this mode, but I'd rather it not show up, but not so much that I'm going to eliminate it completely. I, I'm going to let there be a little chance. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like a weird balancing act. Yeah. And I know original concepts for like random or mystery races, um, which by the way, there was somebody that before that actually tried something similar, but they never did any waiting. So it was pretty felt really bad to play. Yeah. So that's kind of where this differs, right? So like your really obscure settings are less likely. You could you could just get unlucky. It happens. Uh, that's rando for you. Yeah. Um, there's also, but there's been some new features that 
kind of let you mitigate some of that um, by using a feature called subweights, where what you can then say is um, bef before anything happens, uh, you can specify, all right, there's like two different sets of weights in this file, and I'll randomly pick one of them based off of its own weighting and then use that. So I can have one that's like entrance, but maybe is lighter on some of the other settings as a result. And then I can have one that's not entrance, another subweight that's not entrance, but is heavier on some things. So you can create balance there as well. Um, this podcast is too short to really go into how it all works. Um, yeah. But I did write some documentation on uh, the bot's website, which is sahasrabot.synac.live. I'll get you a link to that. Perfect. Uh, it has a document that explains exactly how a Sahasrabot mystery YAML is structured, uh, the currently supported features, and how that all kind of stitches together. Perfect. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that link in the description, as always. Um, tell us about the process of generating spoiler races. Ah, so as I alluded to earlier, uh, we had a spoiler tournament. So how that originally worked was I had the spoiler attorney bot running on the same server. So it had access to the backend database uh, that contained all of the seeds. And that database uh, does contain the spoiler logs, even if you generate it as a non-race ROM or as a race ROM, excuse me. Uh, we, we have that for, um, for troubleshooting purposes. If we do run into that rare unbeatable seed, we can figure out what happened. Um, that database for production for ALTTPR.com is only accessible to three people and nobody else. So it's pretty secure in there, but that's basically how the original uh, spoiler attorney bot did it is I ran my own fork of the website to do that. Now what happens is when you generate a spoiler race and let's say you go to race time and you type uh, spoiler open um, it will generate the seed and it'll do that by setting a specific option to generate. So it'll set the spoilers to generate instead of off. And what that does is it will send back to the bot the full spoiler log. So that response that it gets back will have the log. But the permalink that gets saved that everybody uses does not have that spoiler log in it. So I have so the bot can has that information, but nobody else. And then from there, I can take that spoiler log, that raw output, I can format it the way I need it to, to make it more user-friendly, more accessible for the use for use in a spoiler race. And then I store that into AWS S3, which is Amazon's simple storage service, um, as like a public link that you can click on later. Then, once that's done, in race time... Uh, it provides that link, uh, the permalink to all the players, but it doesn't have the spoiler log in it. Instead, when the on go, when the race actually starts, the bot will then post that link in the channel uh, by doing a whole bunch of really bad things that I really hate doing uh, <laughs> that I need to clean up. Which, by the way, will be a common theme. Like if you're ever like developing something, you'll always hate what you're doing. You'll never like anything. It's it's just a it's just part of the territory. 
The same so. is true for art, actually. <laughs> it's, it's true for anything that you yeah. create, right? Like, yeah. It could be basket weaving, and you'll still hate what you you'll still hate your output because you think you know you can do better. Yeah. Um, even though what you're doing is perfectly fine, like it'll do the job. Uh, but anyway, so that's that's basically what happens, and then the link gets posted in the channel. People are able to click the link. They can oh, route out their race. Um, it will then start a countdown. Um, and that countdown actually could be kind of uh, sensitive. Um, if the bot has to restart, what'll happen is is that that countdown will stop. At least that's the way it used to work. Um, I had recently put out some updates to actually make that more resilient. So even if I have to reboot the bot and clear out the bot's entire state, it will still be able to figure out where it left off and continue counting after it rejoins the room which has kind of been kind of an annoyance in the past because I've had problems where the bot disconnects and then now people are wondering, when does my race start? Mm-hmm. When am I supposed to actually start playing? Uh, does that answer yep. your question? Yes, definitely. <laughs> that would be no, super I, scary. Like, I think when you're doing spoiler, it's like, all right, I'm supposed to go at 15 minutes, but the bot didn't tell me to. Like, I, I, I don't know. I'd be on edge. Yeah. You know, yeah, obviously that's like sure. a worst case scenario. Exactly, and it's happened a few times during the spoiler tournament, unfortunately. It happened. This year's spoiler tournament. That was mainly like an issue over on race time initially, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so what it was a problem, it was, it was a few issues, right? So the the, the bot library I was using, uh, I'm using basically the race time staff ad, the, the framework. Right. Uh, uh, I was using it in a way they never intended for it to be used. And as a result, like some of like the error handling that they had that resumed everything and made everything work didn't work for me. Uh, not their fault. It's my, f- it's like, that's, uh, that's on me because I was like doing something unorthodox with what they were doing. So I had to add a whole bunch of retry code, whereas SRL is fairly stable and bot disconnects are pretty rare with SRL and the library I'm using for connecting to IRC was pretty stable. Uh, so I didn't really have those problems, but now I've got them pretty much solved. Like I'm pretty confident that the countdown timer isn't going to get interrupted now. So the last thing we want to touch on here is uh, the way that uh, Sahasrabot and, and, you know, other coding that you've done is able to support all the different kind of community events and you know, sub-communities that we have, uh, including the ALTTPR League, the Ladder, all the tournaments that we run, just competitive rando in general. Um, so if you would, let's let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, about that, starting with uh, SRL and Racetime.gg integration. Yeah. So, um, so SRL was first, right? But then we had Racetime.gg. Um, so Racetime.gg... Uh, has a lot more tools for me to use in order to facilitate a tournament. Um, I now have the ability to automatically open a race room, for example, um, which isn't something I can really do with SRL because of the way it's structured. Um, It's also easier for me to keep track of the results of a race after it's recorded with race time. But I could do that with SRL as well. Basically... They both have APIs that I can tap into that allow me to read uh, results information about a race. Like I can tell like who won, who lost, 
what times, when did this race start, when did it end, uh, all that really basic information that you need in order to do results reporting. Um, both of these platforms provide and, uh, and it's something that you can tap into um, to really try to automate your tournaments. Specifically with race time though, uh, I have the ability to uh, do a lot more with controlling the, the experience from creating the room to, to managing it to finishing it up when I'm done. Yeah. Uh, I will say as a participant in the league, it's really cool to have that structure, uh, especially in the open league, you know, in, in invitational, I'm sure. And also in past tournaments, like maybe you're being restreamed or, you know, there's an admin that's there for your race. Um, but with open, there's like so many races, there's, you know, hundreds of races that are happening that are just between two people and, you know, you have your race and then report it. And it really helps make it feel more official when like your room is generated for you, you get in there, you generate the seed, you know, it's like, it's all just like, it's kind of a guided experience so that it's not just like the two of you there. And it's, I don't know, it just, it adds to like the legitimacy, I think of the whole experience, which I, which I really appreciate. Yeah, it it kind of serves a couple purposes, right? So you also you and your opponent get reminded that hey, I've actually got to play something, right? Um, you get you get notified by the bot. Hey, here's your race room, and yeah. and then it's either oh cool thanks or oh my goodness I <laughs> I yeah. gotta get OBS going here. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Um, I think it's really helped out with that. Um, I will say that like T Sigma. Um, he's one of the admins of the league did an incredible job with the LTTPR league website. Um, and as a result is able to provide, uh, data endpoints on the website that my bot can use in order to do all that. Um, so basically for every racer we have, we know what your discord ID is. We know what your race time ID is. We know what your Twitch is. Um, we have the deets on you, right? Uh, mm. Well, relatively. Um, but we can use that then to figure out in Speed Gaming's API uh, what uh, who I should be sending DMs to. Uh, so what happens is is every five minutes, uh, the bot actually hits speedgaming uh, speedgaming.org's uh, scheduling API. And it will pull in the all of like the data for the races for the next 30 minutes or whatever interval I tell it. And then it will go through the bot will go through and then see it'll check a couple of things. One, it'll see um has this race room already been opened? Um if not open it. If the race room has already been opened, is it in a canceled state? So did somebody did like the race room expire or did somebody click cancel on it accidentally? And if that happened, it'll reopen it. Um, so that'll happen automatically too. And then when that happens, it will actually send a signal to, to the LTTPR league website. And then the league website will then monitor that room. And then once that race is finished, T Sigma has a job that will then pull in the results from race time and then automatically update the league website with your scores. So everything is kind of, for the league, everything is like almost automated end to end. And it's awesome yeah. because now you as an open leaguer 
don't actually like once your race is done, your responsibility for that race is over. Yeah. Like, and I you don't have that. to like go and report <laughs> anything. That's that's annoying, right? Nobody wants to do that. Yeah. And this system lets us do that, right? We we so now that the bot opens the room, we know that the race is for you. We know it's for your match. So then we can pull the results when we're done and we can update whatever scoring system that we're using automatically without you needing any information on provide any info. Yeah. Perfect. Um, and then uh, I did want to touch on, you have here a, a mention about SGL 2020. Um, I, I can only imagine the amount of uh, tech uh, hurdles that you had to deal with, uh, you know, having to make everything digital this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had 625 races over the course of a, of a week that we had to execute eight days. Jeez. Um, so the race time staff, they were like super helpful. Uh, I want to like all of like the hearts for them. Uh, they basically provided a lot of changes and feature changes or feature updates to race times website in order to support speed gaming live. Um, because not only did I have to create races for LTTPR, I had to do it for Uter, uh, Zelda one randomizer, SMB three R, uh, RESR, like all 14 tournaments that we were supporting or 13, 14. I don't even remember now. Uh, there was that many, uh, but it was really nice to be able to automatically create the race rooms because for the same reason I was able to then, um, once the race was completed, I was able to then dump the results into a Google spreadsheet that then, uh, our volunteers, the other tournament admins and me, we could go into that spreadsheet and then easily update results without having to like dig through like pages of, of, of race results, try to guess at like which races were for what, like that's no fun. It really simplified and streamlined the process. Uh, there were some, uh, there were some challenges at the beginning. Uh, as everybody knows, like the bot, like loved to like just abandon race rooms and like just leave for no reason. Uh, so I had to add like a whole bunch of like retry code and, error handling um i got it stable about on month by monday which was nice because you know i had to work and last thing you want to do is be dealing with tech problems when you're actually supposed to be doing the job they get paid to do that you get paid so yeah yeah. (laughs) um so it was kind of like a massive shift and i won't go too much into like the actual administration part of what went on i'll just keep with the technical but um yeah, I think it went pretty well, all things considered. Um, I'm hoping, like, SGL 2021, we'll be able to do it in person. We'll be able to meet everybody again. Yes. Like, it'll be really awesome. Uh, but in the meantime, like, race time provided the exact platform that we needed in order to execute all these races. Um, I had to learn how to roll seeds for a bunch of other randos that I had never touched before. Or knew anything about. <laughs> um, fortunately, the developers of each of those randomizers were very helpful and were able to really provide a lot of uh, support to us as well. 
So, so the last thing we have here is uh, the talk, uh, briefly talking about Ladder and updates to the website over the last year to help support the competitive scene. Tell, uh, yeah. tell us, uh, to kind of wrap this up about um, uh, supporting the Ladder and the website. Yeah, so I don't do a whole – so Sahasrabot doesn't do a whole lot. Uh, it's mostly just related to mystery. So one of the things about Mystery Roller is that it's, it's somewhat complex, especially when it gets into the customizer part of it. Um, it's doing a lot of different things. So Dunka had a couple of choices. One, he could try to replicate what I was doing. Or two, I could just provide to him uh, exactly what was going on. Like, so instead, so what I did was I just created a little endpoint, right, on my bot that Dunka can hit to actually roll the settings for a mystery. It won't actually create the seed. It'll just provide back that setting, that payload, that then Dunka then can send to alttpr.com to roll the seed for mystery. So that's how that works. Um, and it's pretty nice because then you get a consistent experience. So if you ask the Hosserbot also for a ladder season four or five seed, uh, you'll get you'll have the same experience. It'll be rolled the exact same way as if it was like a live ladder race. Um, which is pretty helpful, um, at least for players. And Dunka also doesn't have to deal with that, um, which is pretty nice. Uh, otherwise, he does all of his own seed rolling. Otherwise, like he doesn't use me for anything else, just that. Um, and then as for updates to LTTPR.com, so we've done a few things, right? So one was the big uh, – so I would say like one of the big things was that we added that allow quick swap feature. Uh, that allowed racing for quick swap racing, like no matter what. Yeah, uh, I know that's been anywhere from popular to Sinak. Why did you do that? You've ruined Rando. But um, <laughs> I think overall, though, I think it's been a net positive. Like it gives players more choice in what they do. Um, yeah, I mean, like uh, it, you could you could argue about quick swap for an hour probably mm. you know yeah yeah but yeah yeah and then uh some other things so the more subtle updates was i gave dunka the ability to roll seeds without a um without running into uh limits or um without being throttled by the website so by default we only let you roll so many games per hour um that's to protect the server the service Somebody isn't just like constantly hitting the site, generating a bunch of games and keeping anybody else from being able to use the site. Um, but in Dunka's case, he has to roll up to 100 games within like a 10 minute period. So what we did was we added whitelisting to the site so that he can ignore those uh, those request limits which really has kind of helped him out. It's sped up the, the generation time because he doesn't have to throttle himself anymore and it prevents problems from, from happening, which is really nice. And I'm glad we were able to get that in for him. Um, yeah, it's always great to see people you know, working together in the community, uh, making exceptions for those kinds of things, just to, to make, again, just to make the process easier and to make things work. You know, if he was having to deal with that ladder, probably wouldn't be as, as good of, of, of a, you know, platform as it is for racing now. So I love to hear that, uh, that collaboration goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. And, and like another thing that we've done is 
there's also been another issue where um, people have had to, like, hide, like, their file select codes in the ladder because, like, you could easily use that to, like, figure out maybe who your opponent was. Um, yeah. And it's been, that's kind of annoying, right? Like, you don't want to have to, like, put up, like, something on your stream overlay in order to, to, to prevent something like that from happening. So what I did... Was we at well? So what we did was we added a feature that Duncan could use as well that allowed him to set his own file select code, so he could set whatever five symbols he wanted, this arbitrarily, for every seed that he rolled. So for the batch of seeds that he rolls for for a particular race, um, he can set those symbols to all be the same for every racer for that latter race now. So that provides a little bit more game security. It makes it harder to determine who your opponent is. That's another thing that we've added. Uh, I'm trying to like, think of maybe anything else we've kind of done over the last year. I mean, we we added we added mystery support to the API. Um, for those out there that really want it, you can do pot shuffle through the API. I don't think anybody does except <laughs> Vtor because he likes pot shuffle for whatever reason. Uh, hacksaw um, that I that I raced in the open league was telling me they just uh, played one of those the other day, and I was like, "Pot shuffle!" I yeah. forgot what that even was. I haven't heard that in it's, forever. Yeah, it's it's hidden. Uh, it's not in the UI anywhere. But you can you can if you know what exactly to do, you can roll a seed with pot shuffle. Yeah, and the pot shuffle briefly uh, that takes all the keys that are under pots and makes them a part of the item and switches. And, oh yeah, switches too. Uh, makes it part of the item pool. So yeah, um, things get crazy. Um, cool. Okay. Well, I think that we we could go on much, much longer talking oh, about yeah. all of the incredible work that you've done uh, behind the scenes to uh, improve the playability of this game and, and make it easier to race. Uh, but we'll, we'll wrap this up for now. Um, we do have something that we're trying out for the first time with our guest uh, that we will tackle here in our wrap up. So we don't have any uh, fetch questions in the traditional sense, but well, we do have something that we're trying out uh, in this episode for the first time uh, based on a suggestion that we got from Tyler Salt, my uh, long shots teammate. Uh, he suggested that we open up an opportunity for our Twitch subscribers. Um, there's not many of them, but they're there and we want to try to do things for them uh, to give them an opportunity to ask questions of our guests. So we solicited those from them uh, about a day ago, and we've got a few questions for Sinak uh, from our subscribers. So let's go through some of these. Um, we actually had two questions that were sort of similar from Jossum Sauce and Arusta, and I like... I'd like to start with these because I think they uh, dovetail pretty seamlessly with what you were just talking about of things that you have done to improve the community. Uh, so Jossum Sauce asks, what's something you ha want to have working but haven't figured out yet? Like what's an aspirational goal for community tech functionality? And then Arusta said, are there any dream features that you'd love to create or add but haven't been able to for technical reasons, time reasons, whatever? So what's what's on the wish list in terms of development uh, for this sort of thing? Uh, how much time do we have? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, give, give us uh, the bird's eye view. <laughs> All right. So uh, there's actually several, uh, several things. Um, so I'll go over them kind of quick here. So one is – Right now, we have a need just in general for better tournament management software. Um, the the biggest hole I see right now 
is the fact that we have, we deal with challenge mostly for our tournaments, mm-hmm. um, which is okay when it works and then miserable when it doesn't. Um, it has a API that's really hard to work with. Um, in general, just really isn't that much fun to work to, to deal with, right? So, one thing I really want to do is to be able to create like a, a fully like end-to-end tournament management system that integrates with both speed gaming and race time so that let's say you are a, you are a, um, you're a speed, you're, you're administering a speed run tournament. Um, you can basically say, Hey, all right, I'm doing a speed run tournament. Uh, you register your tournament here. You have like your ladder bracket or whatever. And you essentially will tell it, all right, here's my list of players. It already has like all their race time, discord info, everything that a bot would need in order to do stuff. And you schedule your races through there, or it's, you schedule them through like a, a partner service, like speed gaming's API or speed gaming scheduling system. And it basically handles the entire thing. It will create the race rooms for you. It will do the results reporting automatically for you right there in the system. Like it automates almost every aspect of, of running a standard online tournament. That's kind of like the big thing that I want to be able to do. What's really holding me back right now is the fact that I can't design my way out of a paper bag. Hmm. Um, (laughs) I am terrible at like, web page design, like if you ask me to draw a camel or like a cat, it'll look like a camel. Uh, you know, like I'm not that type of person. Um, so that's really a project that I would love to be able to do. I just haven't had, I just don't have the skills necessary in order to put it all together. Sounds like you, uh, need to talk to T Sigma potentially. And, uh, <laughs> get that up on, on the thing. You know, yeah, um, that's actually not a bad idea. And I'm just volunteering Sigma for work, obviously, and if he listens to this <laughs> and hears me say that, he's gonna be like, I, I didn't sign up for this. But, I mean, you know, we were talking about how fantastic of a job he did on that website for the league, so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's an opportunity, we'll say. Yeah, I, I just like something that, like, the community can use as a whole right. for for scheduling tournaments. And like an, and then be able to operate them in an end-to-end way instead of using this semi-fractured ecosystem that we have right now. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm sorry, I, I can't stop thinking of a cross between a cat and a camel, um, but <laughs> I will try long enough to move on to that. That was that was perfect. Let's go on to our next question. This one was from Voids01, and they asked, "How did you get your start in building bots, and what are some fun memories to look back on that happened along the way?" Um, so I kind of, so I did kind of go into this earlier in the episode, right? When I was going through like the history yeah. and kind of where if I, we had the need for spoiler attorney bot to be able to roll seeds for, uh, the spoiler tournament. Um, that's kind of where it started out with. Um, I started using Python because I'm a systems administrator by trade. Mm-hmm. And as part of my job, I have to use Python on a semi-regular basis. Um, as, as a Linux administrator, um, because that's like, that is like the lane. That's like something that'd be present on almost universally on every machine that I'd be touching is Python. So 
I had that background already. And um, it kind of then just went from there. Like you had discord.py, which was a pretty powerful library um, for creating discord bots. It pretty much handled a lot of the work for you. So that's just kind of where it started. Um, some fun memories to look back on. Uh, there was that one time I spammed the that the bot ended up spamming the Discord really hard. Oh gosh, I remember uh, that. That was phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, that was. I, so I what's the story up, there? Uh, no, it was just like an infinite loop scenario where I screwed something up and it just started posting. Like, fortunately, Discord's like API limits started kicking in. Like their rate limit started kicking in. It's like, hey, you can't post to this channel like every like half second, right? There were so many <laughs> but, messages um, happening. That's yeah, funny. and I, I cleaned it up, right? So actually, what I did was I, I I killed what was causing it, right? I removed that code, and I wrote something else, and it actually just purged all the bot messages out of the channel for like the last day to clean that up. But that was. You're going to run into stuff like that. Um, I tend to be a lot more careful about that now. Um, I have a, I actually have a private. So if you're writing a Discord bot or anything, I highly recommend that you create your own Discord server. And then you basically register a second bot application that's in that server only. And then you do your testing in there. That way you can't accidentally DM anybody <laughs> and you cannot... And if you spam the channel, like it's not that big of a deal. If that bot gets banned, like it's just it's just it's just the test bot, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you do something bad, uh, it's just it's just a lot safer, um, and it makes your development a lot easier to do. Um, yeah. yeah. A little testing ground. I, yeah, it's I'm actually, a, yeah. It's, it's actually I'm a called firm believer test in breaking ground. things. Yes, sir. Go ahead. I, yeah, I'm a firm believer in, in getting getting your hands dirty and breaking things, and because the the alternative is to just like not do anything, and uh, mm -hmm. that's that's never as fun. So, um, okay, uh, we have uh, two more questions, uh, maybe three. I don't know if we're gonna do Dante's or not, but we'll see. Let's do it. <laughs> Uh, so Verts505 asked, how much maintenance work is required to keep Sahasra bot running smoothly? Uh, and they were called sometimes, we, you know, anytime there's like a Discord update, Dunka has to make a bunch of changes to Lazy Kid to make that work. Um, what goes into maintaining a bot and making sure that it, it continues to run smoothly? Um, prayer sometimes. <laughs> um, no, no, joking. So joking aside, though, um, what... A lot of it comes down to just being trying to be proactive and keeping the bots framework up to date. Um, if you try to stay like on top of like the latest version of the bot, like on your own schedule, you don't get ambushed later mm -hmm. with like with an issue. Um, not to say that like Dunko was doing anything wrong. Like, no, that's like it's super complicated. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's sometimes a mess to deal with. Like that happened with, um, so with discord.py, for example, there were actually two versions of discord.py. There was what was called like 0.16. And then there was 1.x, which is basically what the author did was completely rewrite the library, um, which caused a lot of breaking changes to occur. 
Um, so you just couldn't simply switch to the newer version of that library and everything be fine. You have to go through your code and refactor things to work with the newer version of that library. But what can happen is when you, when that, when, so when that happens, you can run into a scenario where if you don't update discord will make a breaking change on their side, but because what you're using is older and, and the author of that library is no longer supporting it, it can be, um, you can, you can run into a scenario where in order to fix it, like your bot stops working on the older code, but to switch to the newer code, you then have to go through and do all that refactoring work. And now you're doing it in an emergency situation. Uh, whereas instead of doing it on your own time. So a lot of that is just keeping on top of any breaking changes that happen with the services that you're tapping into. Um, fortunately, like with race time, uh, they're pretty good about not breaking things. Um, or if they are, uh, letting me know about it. Um, same thing with pretty much anything else. Um, a lot of it is just keeping your ear to the ground on the services that you're using and being aware of, uh, it, being aware of what's changing and what you may need to do in order to address that before it becomes a problem down the road. Mm-hmm. Be prepared. It's good advice for any any uh, aspect of life, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Lumaga asked a really great question. I'm very interested to hear the response. Um, Lumaga asked, with all the work you do for the community, such as creating and maintaining all the supporting tech, administering events, administrating events, uh, etc., are you still able to actually enjoy the game? Your involvement looks less like a hobby and more like an unpaid part-time job, and it would be hard for me personally to have fun with it uh, with your level of commitment. And then the, uh, he added, thanks for making such an amazing contributions to the community over the years. Um, so what say you to that? I, I take exception at being unpaid. Uh, those rando dollars really come in handy sometimes. <laughs> rando bucks. Um, all right, I'll be serious now. Um, I'll give my joke response and now the serious response here. So, yeah, sometimes it can be, uh, it can be a a bit really involved, but kind of like what way I see it, right? And a lot of creators regardless if you're let's say creating your podcast or i'm creating a bot or vtorp is creating a randomizer or like andy is streaming um they take joy out of people enjoying what they make and that people are using what they create and that they're and they're making themselves better out of that and that's kind of what i feel here and that's why i do what i do um, that's that's really my motivation, right? Is that people use what I create or what I do and it makes everything better as a result or I try to, or I think it makes everything better as a result. And that's kind of where my motivation is. Yeah, um, that's, that's very well put. I, I, I mean, the fact that you said podcast obviously really put it into perspective for me. But I, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, you know, just knowing that uh, you're helping, you know, just being a part of the community and uh, making things easier for people or giving them something that they enjoy. There, There is an, an inherent joy in that. And uh, it makes perfect sense that 
you know, you would you would have that same sort of motivation that you know, VTorp or me or any of us that make stuff for the community does. Yeah, and I'll follow it up with is that there are days, right, where sure. you got to oh, deal sure. with something that's unpleasant. Um, Dante knows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know probably what I'm talking about here. Um, but I think in the long haul, it's worth it having to deal with those things. Um, oh yeah. Amen, brother. Yeah. It's, it's just like, you just have to like, sometimes just truck through and like with everything that's good, there's going to be some bad. It's just the way the world works. Um, and you have to, you have to learn to deal with the bad in order to enjoy the good. Um, Dante, I'll, I'll go ahead and let you ask your 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 final question. All right, here. cool. So I, I figured I couldn't ask like a serious question since I'm uh, I'm technically not subbed to the channel. I know like everybody can criticize me for it later, but <laughs> since I have access to the forum, I did it anyway. So what is the, uh, in your opinion, the most overused meme in the community? I figured I'd keep it lighthearted. <laughs> <laughs> um. Wow. Uh, what isn't the most overused meme? Our uh, all memes are overused. It's like the definition of a meme, as Fair. far as I'm concerned. Um, Very true. I would have, I would have said, um, a long time ago there was like a lo- you had like a lot of commentary memes, like the it's got to be Kane or validation chest. What uh, are those? Yeah, water toes. What are those? Oh my gosh! Um, all the stuff yeah, that like it's. Uh, you know, people who run tournaments now and do commentary or guidelines or whatever, they run into the, please don't say this stuff because, you know, it, it, it's old. It's, 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 yeah. It's, be, be yourself. Like, I, I, I know you've done, like, the commentary episode in the past, but, like, I, I just kind of want to bring that up is that, like, if you want to be a good commentator, be yourself. Talk about what's going on in the race. That's, yeah. now, if... Now, if you get a little meme as a result, so be it. But, you know, be original, be yourself. Uh, that That's that, that that's my advice on all of that. And, uh, yeah, so, that, will, that, will val- that will validate this question. I will, <laughs> yeah, I'll take that as most commentary memes are the most overused ones in the community. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like some of them feel like they're obligated to be saying these things. You know, it's like, no, you don't, you just, you could just talk normal, but anyway, talk about the race. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Well, thanks for uh, answering those questions. Uh, And thank you to our subscribers for submitting those. Those were uh, wonderful and generated some, some wonderful content. Um, let's go ahead and wrap it up. So Herf, you haven't heard his voice in a little while. He had to jump off at the beginning of our wrap up. Uh, he was around for the interview, but he had to chat for the very last bit there. Uh, but the rest of us can, uh, you know, shout out our, our Twitches and whatnot. I'm at twitch.tv slash temp underscore. Dante is at twitch.tv slash D-A-A-A-N-T-Y. Sinek, uh, are you a, a Twitch guy? Are you on there very often? Uh, I I rarely stream unless I'm racing, which sure. isn't a thing I really do a lot nowadays. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's the underscore Sinek is, is my Twitch. Um, I don't have Twitter because like, I don't like Twitter. There's yeah. There's a lot of good reasons to not have a Twitter. Like, yeah. I think like I have a Twitter account, but I rarely ever use it. And I don't sure. really say anything on it. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to promote or plug or shout out or something we can put in the description, uh, in terms of link? 
All right, so first, I kind of want to go back to the festive. Um, okay. I do want to shout out all of everybody who worked on the festive. Um, I think that's pretty important. So you had Catobat, uh, Dinsafir. If I mispronounce your name, I'm sorry. Um, so Catobat did pretty much all the ASM, like all the original ASM work, um, and stitched together all the dungeons. Uh, Dinosphere, uh, Sphere, like, I, I'm sorry, like, <laughs> but did a lot of, did a lot of the original artwork involved. Um, uh, Lo Danzi did the secret at the pedestal, that image, uh, that you'll see in time, uh, total. So you had the text engine. So you notice that during that festive and I'm sorry, I didn't bring this up before. You notice that it uses the English font. Yeah. 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 Uh, total uh, helped them do a complete re-engineering. Like Khan also worked on this, and I think Zarbi did too. Uh, all three of them re-engineered the text engine. Just do that. Oh wow! Um, and that's actually something we'll be able to bring forward into a future version of the randomizer. Oh, cool! That's awesome. Very nice. Because uh, I know that SM, SMZ three had like mm-hmm. used a custom font so they could make. Like they, they got it changed so they could like make things, you know, text boxes, you know, have more, I guess, characters in them. So it wasn't confined as much. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Yeah. So Khan and Zarbi, they did a lot of supporting work with the ASM for this festive. Normally they're like usually the ones that are on the forefront, but taking a break, right? We're outsourcing, Mm -hmm. but, um, we still, you know, anywhere where you can get help. You should get help, right? Definitely. Uh, Aranon for the door rando. Um, Ricky for R-I-C-H-E-Y um, did the... Uh, music, did right? The, yeah, did the music, yeah. Uh, that was from... All the music was from last year. Mm-hmm. We did, this, it was just brought over, right? And then Fish uh, for all the artwork. That was also brought over from last year. Um, and then VTorp also uh, worked on the site. Uh Specifically, like where it like reveals like the the passwords each day. He oh, wrote yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, there's a lot of people that go into those festivals. I wanted to make sure they were all properly credited. Definitely awesome. Um, Dante, do you have any shoutouts for us this week? I just want to plug that I finally finished Hyrule Warriors at 100, percent and I lost 69 hours of my life. And uh, GG. It was it was fun, but uh, it was a long time. But yeah, I uh, yeah, I'm I'm also kind of ready for league to hit playoffs, so there's not quite as many matches. And um, you know, shoutouts to that wrapping up here in the next few weeks, so we can all take a, a breather potentially as far as the admins and mods go. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything either. Just you know, coast into the uh, the end of the year. And uh, we've already sort of run long, so I guess this is uh, our cue to sort of wrap things up. I did, however, want to quickly say um, we got two new iTunes reviews last time. I, I forgot to shout them out last time, but we had one from Dirty Sean, uh, who I think emailed us, and then one from Skeptic Canary, which I didn't see initially because it was from, I think, Great Britain. Uh, so it was quote-unquote international, and those don't show up in my on my phone for whatever reason. But thank you so much to both of you. Um, when you look at iTunes on your phone, it says we're at 47, but then I know for a fact we have at least three international reviews, so I'd say we made it. We're at 50, so thanks, everybody. We floundered we'll, we'll, to 50. We'll count it. <laughs> um, 
And, uh, of course, you know, we have a donation link in the description of the episode if you wanted to support us that way. Uh, another huge thank you to Synac uh, for your time and your expansive knowledge. Synac, it was, it was really nice uh, having you here. Thanks thanks for joining us again. It was absolutely my – the pleasure was all on this side of the table, uh, at least on my part. You guys are like, sitting like, at a table together? I feel, uh, yeah, I feel left out. In 2020, I feel left out. Well, yeah, we wanted to social distance, but Sinek and I actually live together, so it's not that big of a deal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay, this is news to me, but sure. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. All right, let's go ahead and end this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, We will be back in two weeks with another episode, and let's go ahead and mirror out. Mirror out.